we would sleep on the beach and we would literally eat the fish off the reef of Jaws. We never ever thought we would ever surf Jaws. Just to feel the power of Mother Nature was like really like magical for me. Sitting underneath, I think, and trying to get under and, and kind of slide it in, but that's that's something that took me years to figure out the backside to riding is i think is one of the hardest things in surfing all right welcome to the basis surf podcast we got coconut willie in the house he's uh, this is i've never done a podcast like this before but his buddy from tahiti literally surprised him and so he's on maui they're gonna go i don't know i'm guessing scope some really good spots looks like they got proper uh boards in the back you guys are gonna hopefully score so we're just trying to squeeze a quick little interview in before he goes to surf well let's hopefully we got the wi-fi so thanks for uh joining us man yeah bro thank you so much for uh reaching out bro i'm really flattered and i've really been looking forward to this interview bro i'm glad we're getting making it happen awesome well i guess the first question i have for you is how did you get the name coconut willie Coconut Willie. So, oh, um, there's all different ways we could tell that story, but basically <laughs> I'm the number one of the largest coconut distributors in the state of Hawaii. So I'm like a spikeless palm specialist. I have a uh, 500 coconut palms that I maintain here on the Island of Maui and I distribute them locally through like local people, all like fresh and unpasteurized and it's all sustainable. We don't use any plastic or waste products or anything like that. And we just, you know, basically create medicine for the people. And, and that that's how I got the name Coconut Willie. Oh, nice, man. Well, I, I remember seeing somewhere that uh, your mom actually said that she's more scared of you cutting coconuts than she is of you surfing big waves at Jaws and whatnot. Is that true? Or what do you think? I, I mean, yeah, she, she definitely felt that way. The coconuts can be uh, pretty scary. Uh, I had a scare just about a couple weeks ago. I slipped out of a tree and did like a full 360, but... Luckily, I landed back on my feet on the tree stand and pulled it off. But yeah, I can, co- coconut can be pretty dangerous. You got to be smart and have your wits about you at all times. No, there's no room for error. Yeah, if you fall, you know it's hard ground. It's not. It's, I mean, not like falling from the lip at Jaws is not heavy. If, but if you fall basically from a coconut tree, you pretty much die or you're yeah. gonna be paralyzed. That's like inevitable. Yeah. yeah. That... Um. So th- so on a play off of that though, I do have to say climbing coconut trees helped boost my confidence in a really big way and increased my balance in the wind of like standing on the tree stand and blowing around mm. and stuff and then also like looking down from like a 50 60 foot tree and being confident you know that i'm gonna be fine and, and be all right is the same as kind of looking down a 50 60 foot wave uh-huh. and dropping in so it kind of helped me i think in a strong way like to for to, to grow my courage and to go into these bigger oh, waves interesting well what about yeah, it yeah. well I heard you, Matt Miola tell a crazy story about you and coconuts. Can you uh, share that story? Oh my God! You mean the <laughs> one with the centipede? <laughs> so, so basically, uh, oh, I was in a coconut tree. <laughs> I got a weird sensation on my balls. <laughs> I didn't know what to think. If it was something from a girl I'd met maybe on a previous <laughs> night, or. Or what? And and I basically reached down my pants and pulled out like a six inch centipede off of my crotch and I was <laughs> ripped the thing off and I was freaked out running around butt naked in the in the forest, reaping for my life. This is a true story. And I could I was trying to think what could I possibly do. I need some bug cream, bug ointment, something, and like a light went off in my head, coconut everything. 
So I literally chopped open a coconut and teabagged a coconut <laughs> and soaked my nuts in the coconut water, and it saved me. I swear to God, she started an instant relief. It went from, like, the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life to, like, a bearable pain. Okay. That's good to know, man. Next time I get, like, jellyfish bite or whatever, <laughs> yeah, I'm going yeah. full coconut style, yeah, just, yeah. like, medicine yeah. for everything, huh? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> next time next time I get hit by a centipede. All right. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Man, I mean, yeah. I didn't even know. I guess centipedes are, like, kind of poisonous, right? No, they're poisonous, but, you know, to be honest, bro, I don't ever kill them on purpose. I'm super, like, always about, like, treating the nature with respect and if you don't go after the 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 like the the insects and the trees, they don't really come after you. You know, as long as you're like humble and respectful and you like kind of approaching it in a gentle way, they're pretty good. That was a freak accident. So that was the only time I've ever been bit by a centipede in 17 years, and every single coconut tree has centipedes oh, wow. in them. So that was I've only been bitten once in my whole life, and that was Gnarly. it. Wow. Yeah, I got I got stung by a scorpion one time when I was in Costa Rica. I didn't even know what it was. It just felt like I stepped on an electric nail. And then I was like running around thinking I was going to die because I thought it was poisonous. And like I run around the, the block and then I finally find somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, these things aren't going to kill you. And I was like, all right, I guess I guess I'm chill. I should have dunked it in some coconut, though. That's what I should have done. Right. So getting uh, tree sap works good, too. That's another good trick. Uh, I learned that later on. But um, any kind of tree sap will help pull out the poison. Oh man. All right. I mean, all this like natural, I'm super into like natural and healthy, like organic ways of life, you know, it's a big part yeah. of my life being connected. To yeah. Nature. So, I mean, I know that you surf Jaws, you surf Puerto Escondido, Fiji, all these really heavy spots. Um, and, you know, we only have like 25 more minutes, but let's just, uh, well, why don't we start at the beginning, but I definitely want to kind of build up to what it's like to surf waves like that and how you got there. So why don't we just start with like the beginning though? How did you get into surfing? You know, where did it okay. all start for you? Well, my mom and my dad are both, um, national champion windsurfers. My dad actually invented the backflip of windsurfing. My middle name's Makani, which means wind. Uh, my mom would surf like 30 foot, 40 foot waves on a windsurf board. My mom was crazy. They both moved here back in the day, uh, for windsurfing. They're both professionals. So I wasn't too big. I was actually really into skateboarding. But um, Matt Miola was my next door neighbor. Oh, and wow. we we're little kids. And he came to me. He was like, hey, bro, we're going to go surf Lahaina, this and that. And I had surfed plenty and stuff, you know. And I knew how to surf. And my family, we grew up surfing together on the weekend and stuff. But I never was like an addicted surf rat, you know, like obsessed with surfing. Till he had taken me and I went with my friend. And we had this epic surf session in Lahaina Harbor. And that's what kind of got me obsessed with surfing, was surfing with him that oh, one day. Wow. So it wasn't like, so was your dad and your mom, they were more, did they try to push you into windsurfing, but you were kind of like rejecting it and you just wanted to skate and then you just got. The, the funny thing, yeah, I just, you know, it just, my whole life was like literally breakfast, lunch and dinner, windsurfing. My parents would bring me to the windsurf beach and they would leave me there on the beach until from dark to dark, first thing in the morning till the end of the night. And it's like. You know, anything that's kind of forced on you too much, yeah. you know, it's just like all I ever knew would breathe it was just windsurfing, you know, and it's just like kind of rebellious. You don't want to do what your parents tell you to do, yeah. you know? So I was really into the skateboarding thing. And then, and then also like windsurfing, you can't get barreled. And that was always a big part for me. I like to get barreled, mm, you know? Yeah. Just, I feel like you do what you, what your friends want to do. If your friends are windsurfing, then maybe, yeah, I would have windsurfed more, but 
all my friends were surfers, so I just kind of got into right. that. Okay, so you went surfing with Matt Miola. I mean, that's uh, that's a good person to have a homie as a, your surf buddy. Well, I basically I grew up I grew up surfing with uh, actually Kai Barger's just calling me. I just had to just end this call, but I grew up surfing with Kai Barger, Matt Miola, Albilair. I was like Albilair's older brother growing up. His mom and my mom were best friends. Uh, Billy Kemper was a big part of our yeah. group. Uh, so we grew up in kind of a a pretty uh, you know talented surf pool, and I was one of the latest. I want to say like bloomers or whatever of the group, like they were all sponsored pro ripper guys. And I just was kind of getting into it. I started kind of late, not till I was about 14, getting really serious about the surfing. Uh, so, so you're kind of like Nikoa in some ways too. Yes. Me and Nikoa. Yeah, exactly. We were like kind of late starters. And Nikoa was another one too. That guy, I yeah. love that guy. He's so did awesome, it add bro. like a fire to you because you were coming from behind, like the way it did for Nikoa or how, how did it, uh, no. Yeah, but the thing is, like, me and Nicole, we were always, like, kind of almost charging harder and, like, bigger waves because we were the older ones. Like, we couldn't surf mm -hmm. as good. But then but then once, like, all these guys started surfing Jaws and stuff, I was kind of sitting back scratching my head, like, wait, I was the one that surfed the bigger waves, like, not you guys. So it kind of, them charging at a younger age than me kind of helped inspire me to get out there and charging, too, you oh, know, wow. in the beginning days of that paddle surfing. Yeah, wow, so... What at what age did you start? I mean, what was that that progression like going from, you know, surfing smaller ways to like I, eventually stepping up to surfing Jaws? I mean, like, you know, yeah. What, walk me through that progression. Like, what was that like? Well, basically, okay. I I I I'm born and raised in, and I was born in Paya, raised in Haiku Maui. So my home where I grew up is literally five minutes away from Piahi Jaws, also even known as Manavaiao, which is actually. Or the real name of Jaws, Manavaiao. But um, anyway, I grew up, that was the local spear fishing spot where me and all the boys, Matt, uh, Albie, everyone, we would go spear fishing every day on the summer. That's where we lived. We would sleep on the beach and we would literally eat the fish off the reef of Jaws. That was like our thing to do, right? So, so we never ever thought we would ever surf jaws like as friends or me personally i never was like oh i'm gonna be a jaws surfer i was always just like like fuck that <laughs> i mean excuse my friend sorry but i was always just like no right. way we're not we're not doing that bro it's like not happening and then i just kind of evolved into that way and when you're young Wait, you know so kind of can i ask you a question and... so like you know, you're growing up, yeah. you're like spearfishing this spot, right? I'm assuming you're not spearfishing it when yeah. it's like macking, but like you, you have this. No, no, you just go in the yeah. summer when, when it's off You have season. this connection to it, obviously. And you see this yeah. massive, I, I'm assuming you saw the waves when it was like peaking. Were, were people even surfing it at that yeah. point or what was that like? People are towing it? Uh, or? There was just towing, people were doing towing, but they basically told us when we were kids that it was impossible. You could never follow in. It was like undoable. Right. Totally. And you're just yeah. looking at these things and you're just like in your head are you like that just looks ridiculous like or was there ever, ever any part of you that's like maybe i want some of that hey everyone it's van hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast hopefully you've been listening to some good stories getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer if so make sure to subscribe to the podcast leave us a review it'll only take you literally a few seconds and share it with your friends that's the best way you can support me so i can continue to create awesome new content for you so thanks no never when i was a kid never never not one bit I was, was i like oh i'm gonna serve jaws like no we just served tavares 
was like a small little wave that was sheltered from an outer reef. So it really helped um, that no matter how big the waves were, the waves at this spot would only be three feet. So we kind of grew up with this reformed double up Tavares Bay. So it was a perfect place for a kid to grow up because no matter how big the waves were, Jaws could be 100 feet and over there would still only be three feet no matter what because the outer reef would fill through the swell. Ah, got it. Okay. So, that so you know, it starts, so, you're a little kid, you, you know, you see this thing, you think it's yeah. ridiculous and then you start getting uh, better, you know, you start like, you know, progressing a little bit and then, and then kind of where to go from there then. Yeah. And then, you know, you see one of your friends go out, they get one and then you want to go and then you want to get one. The first time, the first few times I served Jaws, I served it with zero flotation, nothing. No, we didn't have vests. We didn't have, we didn't have the jet skis. We just paddled from the <laughs> beach. Like, yeah. And we were just, it was kind of right after Sheen, Dorian and Ian Walsh went out and did their thing out there. They kind of were getting into it and then got a lot of hype through the, through the media. And then, so we were right there kind of like, okay, we can do this, you know? And we had no idea. I remember surfing it with a life jacket on one time and the buckles of the life jacket, the board, I was rolling. I couldn't see it flat on the board. The board just kept, I kept rolling off the side of the board. Oh my God. Because the life jacket was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Wait, so were Shane Dorian and whatnot, were they trying to paddle it or were they towing it? Yeah, they were paddling. Ian Walsh and Shane Dorian, they, when they first paddled okay. it. So they had the inflation vest, which changed the whole thing like really drastically once they had the inflation right. vest but you were just like really or sorry go ahead no nah, it was just like it just basically that's what kind of made people ready like okay we got these inflation vests we can pull this cord we can shoot up to the surface it makes it made a big difference with the confidence level of people to go out there and surf and i took me i had the hardest time find to get them to give me anybody to give me one of those things when i was a kid everyone had them and i and i couldn't get them for like four years or something i remember everyone had them and i was one of the last guys to finally get one i guess what sounds crazy to me though is you're just like all right so you see like guys like shane dory and they got all this proper equipment you know they probably have like jet skis yeah. for playing safety in the, the channel and whatnot and then uh, you're just like uh i think i'm just gonna go out there and just try to paddle with a life jacket on and just try to catch some waves is yeah it just like yeah just like rodeo style. And, just and like, like literally on like a borrowed board, like a board like, hey, bro, can I borrow your board? Like, I don't have a board, like a 10 foot board. Like I never. So I would, I borrowed my friend's old Mavericks board from Mavericks that he had flown out here was the first board I ever uh, rode wow. like that. So just like super scrappy, yeah. you know, you're just like throwing yourself into the mix. And like, what are, what are like Shane Dorian and Ian Walsh doing? They're just looking at you guys and like, oh man, who are these kids just like cruising up, just trying to like, just trying to roll? Like what? Or did they give you respect? Like, hey, these are the local boys here, you know? No, Dor so Dorian's actually, we became um, pretty good buddies over the years. He's actually uh, helped me out in a lot of really cool ways. And I really like that guy a lot. Same with Ian Walsh. They're really humble, really cool guys. But um, I remember one time we paddled out and it was just me and Shane we're kind of sitting at the peak and then a set came in and I went and then Shane was like, did you, did you go on that wave? Like, I was like, yeah, I went on that wave. He's like, really? Like, he was just like so fast. So I was like, yeah, I went on that wave. He was like, whoa. Like, it's just awesome. And I remember like all stoked. was like, yeah, Shane Dorian was chipping on me. Like, great on. Oh, wow. Well, let, let me ask you another question as you're building up to this. Like before you went and tried to like, take that next step in surf at jaws i mean were you just like charging you know like going and surfing honolulu bay and just like 
being totally comfortable out there in the biggest sets and then you know you gradually built up like those kinds of ways or did you just jump straight into surfing jaws no yeah definitely i was charging like hokipa as big as it gets you know like 15 foot and then like surfing um uh surfing honolulu as big as it gets and i moved to the north shore uh when i was 18 i lived over there for a winter surfing pipe and then i actually went out to waimea one time i never actually caught a wave but i got cleaned up on like a 20 footer which was crazy and i just like swam through it and that was like the first time i ever surfed big waves was at waimea bay and i remember i swam through this huge closeout set at waimea bay and I just remember the wave going over the top of me and me going under it and feeling the energy of the ocean go over me. And, like, I didn't get pounded or anything, but just feeling that energy shift. And I was just like, whoa, like, I just to feel the power of Mother Nature was, like, really, like, magical for me. It was a really magical moment. Wow, that sounds magical. So what would you describe as, yeah. like, I mean, you obviously progress very quickly. Um, what would you describe as, like, the key skills that you needed to develop? I mean you know break it down for us i know there's a tons of things that you could talk uh, to you, but like the things that like, like pop out in your head like for, for like just surfing or big wave surfing or what kind of surfing are we talking here let's Anything just say i mean no, i would say not everybody is going to be trying to surf jaws obviously but anybody that's trying to just step up into surfing slightly bigger waves so you could be a beginner and this is your first time surfing a head high wave and you're scared you know and you know just just getting used to surfing bigger waves you could be an intermediate. You're getting to double, triple overhead waves. Like what? What are the key things um, that you? I would say, I would say confidence is key. You know, being confident, but not putting yourself in over your head. Maybe going with someone that like um, kind of knows the ropes good and can kind of help you out, like guide you through. I think is really important. I think having the proper equipment is really important. Um, and I think everything you know in steps, like. It's the same. I didn't just go climb a hundred foot coconut tree the first day I did it. You know, and you start small and you work your way up. You do a five foot tree. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's like an incremental progression. It's not like you went from surfing, yeah, the, the three foot wave to jumping right in the jaws. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned right, your right. equipment. You know, so like, um, you know, are you the philosophy of riding shorter boards or bigger boards or kind of what's your you know, let's I'm I'm yeah, so I'm like the total opposite of like Albie Lair. Like he rides a super tiny and he's a big guy. He's big. So he's a big guy riding small boards. I I like big boards. I'm like old school. I like to ride like a proper, you know, at least nine six is about the smallest I ride at Jaws or um nine six or up to ten six. I think one of the best ways I ever got at Jaws is on a ten six. Uh and then the same with even like medium sized waves, like foam is your friend. If you're out there and you're trying to ride bigger waves and, and get in there, you know, like uh, I like to have a bigger board always. I, it's just because growing up, I wasn't always the best surfer. So it was my way to take advantage in heats and beat people in contests. If I had a little more foam, I could paddle faster, catch more waves, get more scores. Yeah. So I really, I really enjoy having foam under my feet when I'm surfing. Got it. And, and you surf pipe too, right? So is are you usually catching like second reef kind of chippings or are you kind of more sitting under the lip and trying to do that? Um, I mean, I, I hard to say, I've only gotten honestly a few roll-ins at pipe in my life, like a handful, but 
more so sitting underneath, I think, and trying to get under and, and kind of slide it in. But that's that's something that took me years to figure out. The backside to riding, is, I think, is one of the hardest things in surfing. It's it's so spending a lot of time in Fiji and um, Tahiti really helped me with that, like majorly because those waves are so perfect, mm. you know. And it's just you're going, you're just only going left all summer long, mm. you know. So doing that was a huge, huge. Was there help. anything? So going to these waves and practicing at these waves was was key. Was there? Anything that you, you know, anything that you could pass on to us that was really helpful that helped you with your backhand barrel riding? Um, yeah. Uh, squaring up your shoulders with your board is, like, super important. And for me, just, like, literally, like, grabbing your rail and taking your butt and, like, actually touching the water and, like, sliding it on the water with your butt and using your butt and, your, like, your whole side of your body. And it's a really weird thing to commit to. Because your body, you know what I mean? Like you're actually like leaning your body into the wave and using it to slow down and, and for to control for speed. Yeah, totally. So um, we're pulling up here just kind of on like where the service might get a little weird for a minute, just okay. so you know. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we just kind of try to close it off then? That was that was super good. Tell me about your favorite wave or most entertaining wave that you, you've ever got. I mean, the one that comes to mind is uh, uh, basically no one really knew who I was and I caught one wave at Jaws and it kind of turned around my whole entire career and like put me on the maps, just one wave. Wow, I went from that... like, like 700 followers on Instagram to like 7,000 in like a day. Wow. Which wave was that? Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, uh, one of the, the, the Jaws waves, um, back in the day was actually an anniversary to one of my dear friends who had passed away like three years later. So I couldn't help but think he kind of guided me onto this wave. Um, there's uh there's some shots I can send you from Instagram of it or something, but it was just like a really big Jaws wave. I wasn't really in the barrel, but it was like a nice pocket ride, and it, and it went really wide in the barrel, and it, it got a lot of exposure online. So that nice. was probably my most memorable ride I've ever had in my life. Oh, man. Sounds epic. I can't imagine what it's like to surf a giant wave like that at Jaws. Well, yeah, you should get over here and come visit, and we'll get you on the jet ski. You can check it out. That <laughs> sounds it. so gnarly, but kind of kind of uh, interesting. We'll see. Maybe uh, that does sound very enticing. All right, man. Well, I want to let's try to finish this up right before the Wi-Fi cuts off. Thanks a bunch for joining. That was a really <laughs> fun fun chatting with you. And uh, no worries, yeah, bro. Appreciate it. I hope it works out. All right, man. Hey, everyone. It's Van. Hopefully, you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully, you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. It'll only take you literally a few seconds and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So thanks.